You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. And I follow the NFL for FanSided as well, so you can check out my work there. That'll be a little bit more sporadic, but please read the site. I would, I would love it if you did that. There's a lot of great people working there. Um, I have a lot of great colleagues there, friends, so keep an eye out for that this offseason as well. This will be our last podcast of the week. It's Friday. I'm trying to figure out what the best schedule is here for our off-season podcasts. Uh, I thought Thursday afternoon would be the best time. I'm rethinking that and thinking maybe Friday morning is the best time. So, you know, we'll play with the schedule as we as we go along here and, and find out what I think works best. And it may change week to week. There may be times when it makes more sense to record on Thursday, more times when it more sense to record on Friday. Um, I, I like starting out the week going Monday, Tuesday, uh, but I understand that then, you know, if we don't have another show till Friday, that's two days between shows and, and maybe there's a big gap there. But if I record Thursday, then I don't get to talk to you guys until Monday. So there's going to be a gap there. I think Monday, Tuesday, Friday, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I don't know. If you have thoughts, if you have strong feelings about it, let me know. Tweet me. Tweet the show. Um, but there still will be three shows every week. That will be my ultimate goal. We will continue to do that. And you should continue to expect to hear from me three times a week until we ramp back up. Around the draft, I may do... I'm thinking I'm going to do a show every night um, for the next morning that you can listen to just just a quick recap 10 15 minutes you know especially after round one where the, the Packers obviously only have one pick but then you know there's the Thursday night then Friday night you'll have the whole day to listen to the Thursday show we'll get the Friday show and then Saturday is when it'll be a little bit more condensed because um, there will be obviously Friday night and then into Saturday morning and afternoon is when they they're already back into the pick so We'll see what the best plan of action there is. Heading into more offseason discussion, there was more news that happened this week related to the Packers. Not necessarily Packers-related, but related to the league and the, and the teams that they may be competing with. Number one, Matt Patricia officially became the new head coach of the Detroit Lions. And I, I half-joked on Twitter about how much excitement there is over this hire. Matt Patricia was a well-respected coach in New England. He was considered a head coaching candidate for for a year or two before he got this opportunity. He is very much into the data. And the, the Patriots just didn't have that many good players the last few years. But even when they did, if you go back and look at those that 2014 team, they were still only 12th in defensive DVOA with Darrell Revis. And McCourty in his prime and and the guys that they had there. I just, I don't know how good a coach he is. I don't know if he's ready to be a head coach. If you look at their defenses for the New England Patriots, 
This is with Bill Belichick as the head coach, who is the greatest coach of all time, one of the greatest defensive coaches of all time, in order, going back, you know, starting most recently to further back. 15th, 20th, 12th, 12th, 16th, 31st in defensive DVOA. Where is the defensive genius? Where is the defensive guru? Now, maybe... Maybe those teams should have been bottom half defenses and he made them top half defenses. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. This is, a, this is a big swing for the Lions, which doesn't mean it's a bad idea. But I don't think it it by any means elevates them in the discussion of the division. I think it's very clear the Packers and the Vikings are the, the class of this division. And, and in fact, the Super Bowl odds came out after the Super Bowl, the 2019 Super Bowl odds. Eagles, obviously the number one team in the NFC, but the number two team, well, there were two teams. The Vikings and the Packers were both tied with the second best Super Bowl odds in the NFC. Clearly, these are the two best teams after the Eagles in the NFC. And and depending on what happens this offseason, I think either could elevate themselves into that upper echelon. The Eagles have serious salary cap issues. As it stands right now, they're probably going to have to lose some talent. May have to trade Nick Foles. We don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be ready to go by week one. And if he's not, and they have to trade Nick Foles to clear space, they could be looking at Nate Sudfeld starting four, five, six, eight weeks. So I don't think the NFC is is at all a foregone conclusion. I think the Saints are going to be really good next year. The Rams are going to be better. I think the Falcons have a chance to be really good again. The Panthers will be better. So... The Packers have to make some moves here in the offseason. Related to the Patricia deal, Josh McDaniels was going to leave New England, and then he didn't. And as I said earlier in the offseason, Josh McDaniels wanting to stay could have made it easier for Green Bay should they choose to move on from Mike McCarthy after the year or after next year to bring in a guy like Josh McDaniels. If he goes to the Colts, that becomes a lot harder. And I think it's it's fair to wonder now if if the Packers should want Josh McDaniels. This is a situation now after he left Denver. He, he really did himself no favors in the way he handled that situation. There was a lot of McDaniels giving jobs to his buddies, regardless of whether they were the most qualified. He... He was hard-headed and stubborn and, and a lot of the things that Bill Belichick was and is, but that ended poorly. And he had to go back and rehabilitate his image in New England. Well, now, backing out of your obligations after you've, you have given your word to a team, but not just that, given your word to other coaches, said, come be part of my staff. Those guys had signed contracts to be coaches in Indianapolis, and he backed out. Is that further evidence of his immaturity, of his impetuousness, of the things that would concern you if you're going to be wanting to hire him in the future? I think I think, for sure he's radioactive to other teams, for now at least. Mike Reese said on, on Bill Barnwell's podcast earlier in the week that three to five years is probably the window that it will it will take for him to rehabilitate and once again be a desirable candidate. So if the Packers do come up short again this year and and Mark Murphy decides it's time to make a change and Brian Gutekunst, etc. He is not going to be one of the candidates for this job. Now one guy who could be. John DeFilippo, 
the quarterbacks coach in Philadelphia, is now the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. And this has twofold impact on Green Bay. Number one, it replaces a very good offensive coordinator in Minnesota with another very good offensive coach. We have no idea if he can be a good offensive coordinator. Doesn't have experience in the NFL as a play caller, but has a ton as a teacher, as a designer of offense. And as a football mind, he is very well respected in the league. There is there is an assumption. I mean, there were, there was he interviewed for head jobs. So the fact that he is getting an offensive coordinator position at this point speaks to the quality of of his skill as a coach, which means the Vikings, a Packers rival, is getting a very good NFL coach. And there is this fringe benefit here that while it could make it harder to beat the Vikings than it would have been had they signed someone like Daryl Bevel, the Packers will get multiple up-close looks at Filippo. And if you're the kind of person that thinks Mike McCarthy is coaching for his job in 2018, and I kind of feel that way, then not only will they get two up-close and personal looks with him every year, or at least this year, if if it's just going to be this year, but when the Packers are scouting the two other teams in their division, the Bears and the Lions, they'll have plenty of opportunities to see Dave Filippo's offense on paper because they'll see them attacking the Lions' defense they'll see them tacking the Bears' defense. And so no one around the league, except the NFC North, will have that kind of firsthand experience with him as a coach. And so they'll be able to determine, oh, we really think this offense is is unique, it is creative, it is all the things that the Philadelphia offense is. Not to say it will look the same. And so we think that he's the guy that we should replace our head coach with if that's something that they feel like they should do. We don't know if they feel that way. We don't know if Mike McCarthy is coaching for his job, although I think it's it's telling he got just a one-year extension, so he'll coach this upcoming year. He's technically under contract for the following year. That doesn't mean he'll coach. But it does make the road a little bit tougher. It could have been that the Vikings downgraded at, at offensive coordinator when Pat Shermer moved on if they signed someone like Daryl Bevel or some of the other names that were out there. Now they have a chance to not only, not only remain status quo with the quality of this offense, which is the key to their success last year, but get better potentially. That's a scary thought for a team that has to play them twice and has to compete with them for a division title. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. And this time of year... The most important thing is the NFL draft coverage. It gets you access to the Pro Football Focus profiles, the stats. No one charts college the way that that PFF does. So get in on the action. Get behind that paywall for free by putting your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and being entered to win. One of the things I did for our discussion about the Packers' edge situation in 2017, the outside linebackers, was provided some some potential fits in the draft. And that was something that I got a lot of positive feedback about from, from listeners. And I always encourage you to, to let me know when I do something that you like so I can continue to do it. And let me know if it's something that you don't like. And it doesn't mean I'll stop doing it if I like to do it. But at least that feedback is being heard. I, I, I do go through my mentions. I, I check the Twitter feed of, of the show. So... 
if you have feedback, please offer it. But we did the cornerbacks and the safeties review without getting heavy into some of the, the players that the Packers could be looking at. Now, we're going to take deeper looks at, at all of these guys, but there's two names that I want to highlight as part of a, a bigger discussion that, that we're going to have. The two names, and I mentioned this at the time, that, that have come up for Green Bay at 14, at corner and safety, Josh Jackson and Derwin James. And I think both are absolutely worthy of the 14th pick. I think both play positions that would be of maximal impact for Green Bay. And I think it, it affects their entire team building philosophy. I tweeted out a gif of a Josh Jackson interception. He had three against Ohio State. And they were three different kinds of interceptions. One, he baited Barrett into throwing him the ball. And then he makes a play on the ball. The second one was an incredible leaping one-handed catch. And the third, he just ripped the ball away from an Ohio State receiver. Three different kinds of playmaking. Reading, athleticism, and then just effort. He's 6'1", 192, played at Iowa. Led the nation in interceptions. Led the nation in interception returns for touchdowns and interception yards. This is a guy who returned punts for Iowa, so they believe in his ball skills, his playmaking abilities. They trust him. So let me let me just, again, as I did with the other players, let me read to you my scouting report on Jackson. This is something we'll get into a lot more in depth and, and we'll go over more guys as we go through this. But here's what I thought about Jackson. He's one of the most ball-savvy playmakers to come out in recent years. He has ideal size and length for the position as well as the long speed to run with just about anyone in football. In the right scheme, he's got the ability to be an elite cover corner. It's the other things that stick out here. He's a bad tackler and lacks instincts in the run game. He can be slow to diagnose and fill. Plus, he's poor at getting off blocks to even get into position to make tackles. That said, he's young, ultra-talented with great instincts in the passing game, hands, and playmaking ability. Guys with his combination of size, speed, and playmaking at corner are exceedingly rare. And while it's only one year of production, he was highly productive and showed improvement over the course of the season. He's not going to play a lot in the slot, and he's not ideally suited playing off coverage. Let him play man and make plays on the ball. He's big, he's long, he's instinctive, he can make plays. He's exactly the kind of corner Green Bay needs. Now, the, the larger and I think potentially more interesting discussion here is how the Packers attack the offseason. And we'll find out pretty soon because if Morgan Burnett hits free agency and the Packers don't do anything, so if the Packers sign no one in the secondary, then they have to fill a, a, a safety spot, so a third safety spot unless they think Kentrell Bryce is the guy, and they need to bring in a corner, whether it's in the draft or free agency. If they sign Morgan Burnett, then a corner at 14 becomes more likely. But let's say they, as I suggested for Acme Packing Company this week, instead of re-sign Morgan Burnett, sign Malcolm Butler, which I got some pushback on. Malcolm Butler was a Pro Bowl corner in 2015 and an All-Pro, second-team All-Pro in 2016. He is a really, really talented player. He had a bad season. He admitted he had a bad season. He didn't like that the Patriots gave Stefan Gilmore all that money and he didn't get paid. I think he pouted a little bit about it. Patriots didn't like it. 
but that doesn't mean he's not a very good player. And if he gets paid, if he gets his money, will he be the same guy? Maybe, maybe not. That's always the risk you run in the offseason. But let's say they do, as I have suggested, they sign Malcolm Butler or they really ante up and pay for the Rams' Tremaine Johnson, who was not as good last year playing on the franchise tag as he was the year before. If they do that, then I think safety becomes a more likely candidate at 14. And if they go that route, Derwin James is the no-brainer. 6'3", 211 from Florida State. Here's what I said about James. Ultra-talented safety with every tool you look for from covering in the slot, attacking the box, blitzing, and playing deep. He attacks the ball in the air, feels aggressively, if incorrectly at times, and has playmaking instincts. You can put him anywhere in your defense and he can make plays for you and you may be and maybe better than any safety prospect in the 17 draft because of his versatility. You can put him anywhere. He can cover in the slot. Does that sound like Morgan Burnett? Because he can do all those things from a versatility standpoint, but he's more athletic. He's bigger. He's faster. He's younger. If they can solidify the corner position and sign a butler or a Johnson, or even, there, I mean, there's some mid to lower tier guys and solidify that corner spot. And then you have a guy like Haha Clinton Dix that you think can man the middle and you add freak athletes like Josh Jones and Derwin James into your defense. How are you not better? To me, the move is you sign a corner and you draft a safety because that corner can come in right away and play. You don't need Derwin James to come in and give you 80% of snaps. That's what you have Clinton Dix and Josh Jones for. And, in, and if James is really behind in his development, Kentrell Bryce. That makes you more versatile. It makes you better. To me, re-signing Burnett and drafting a corner like Josh Jackson, part of this is that I feel that Derwin James is just a better prospect, but doing it that way, I don't think you get, you don't get better as much. So you don't, the degree to which you get better is not the same. And it doesn't make you more versatile. It doesn't make you more athletic. It just makes you better than you were last year. They could get better. This is an order of magnitude here. You sign a quality corner. That position number one is more important. It's a more premium position and good corners are harder to find. You add Malcolm Butler to a secondary with Demarius Randall and Kevin King, and you've got a defense. And now you add Derwin James, that mitigates the issues that you have maybe with depth in the secondary. Your fourth and fifth corners being Lindsey Pipkins and Josh Hawkins. Maybe you bring back Devon House on a, on a sort of veteran minimum type deal. Then you've really got something. And you've got these crazy athlete safeties who can be, play in the box. They can cover in the slot. They can play deep. They can cover all over. To me, that is the way that this team should be constructed. My point is here is we'll know the direction that this team is heading by how they handle the Morgan Burnett free agency and how they handle free agency in general. If they do sign a corner, does it mean they're less likely to draft one? I think it depends on what the safety situation is. If they sign a corner and let Morgan Burnett walk, I think it makes much more sense to say, well, they'll they'll probably draft a corner, but maybe not at 14. Maybe it'll be in the second. Maybe it'll be in the third. Maybe it'll be on day three. I find it hard to believe, though, that they would re-sign Morgan Burnett and still take someone like Derwin James. Now, there are other corners to look at, other safeties to look at. I, I think that no matter what, 
they'll draft a corner. It just depends on the kind of premium asset they want to use to do that. We're gonna, there are plenty of other corners to talk about, plenty of other safeties. Corner in particular is a very deep position. And so if you're looking at it that way, just from a pure value proposition standpoint, to me it makes more sense to say, well, we're going to pay Malcolm Butler maybe on a three-year deal, shorter-term deal. We're going to draft a corner in the third round or the fourth round. And we're going to take this premium athlete in the first in Derwin James and let Morgan Burnett walk. Now, I'm, I, I think you could certainly make the case that, that that's just the way that I've constructed that idea in terms of a value proposition is wrong. That, that what you do is the value is in the young player at, you know, on a rookie deal. And so you, you use that asset. You use a first on a corner and maybe you use a third or a fourth too. That is a, a classic Ted Thompson move. We will know more about the direction of the draft once we hit free agency and we see what the Packers do there. And for once, I think you really will learn something. It is, it is so often difficult to tell because the Packers do nothing in free agency. This year, I expect them to be somewhat active. I expect them to make some moves. And that will inform the draft process. Now, that doesn't mean they're locked into doing anything. This idea that the Packers need to take best player available at 14 and, and forget everything else is just silly. They're not the Browns, number one. Number two, best player available is a myth. Because the highest graded player, a.k.a. the best player, is not always the most valuable player. Most people agree Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, is a top five player. Probably the highest graded guy in the draft. He's not the most valuable player. He's not the most impactful guy on day one. Or long term. You have to stack your board a certain way. You have to base it on positional value. And yes, needs come into play. Drafting a defensive lineman at 14 does not have the same relative value to the Packers as drafting a position of need. Relative value is important. So just saying we're going to take the best player, that doesn't make any sense. You want your team to get better. You want to take the player that makes your team the most better. Bad grammar aside, take the guy that makes your team maximally better not the best player, because those are not always the same. All right, we're going to ramp up next week toward the Combine. We're going to have some some people on to talk NFL draft about some guys to keep an eye on in Indianapolis, guys the Packers could be looking at, and, and guys that you should be watching, because how they test could determine whether or not the Packers are interested in them, interested in them because how they test could affect their draft slot, and could affect whether or not the Packers are interested. They have traditionally used some, not rigid, but some standards. They have thresholds that they seek to, to meet when they draft players. Justice Mosqueda has, has written extensively on the topic for Cheesehead TV. I suggest you go find that work. We'll have him on at some point in the offseason to discuss it and, and go over potential Packer players. He consistently nails three or four of the Packers picks every year just by saying these are the guys that meet the thresholds. They go off the board sometimes. There are he he readily admits that there are some flaws because the Packers don't have well-defined thresholds at every position. Safety is one of them. So we'll see what happens there. But as we move into next week, we'll push toward the combine, toward the draft. 
toward free agency. There's a lot more to discuss. Um, the coaching carousel is, is pretty much over once the Titans make a head coaching hire. So I, I don't see us talking about that much going forward, but who knows? Weird stuff can happen. We'll be back next week, three shows, scheduled TBD, which means you'll have to keep an eye on your feeds wherever you get your podcasts, and that means you have to stay locked on Packers.